personality creates your personal reality. Authentic power is when your personality comes to serve the energy of your soul. The truth is the body is one ecosystem. You can get to the root cause and everything goes away. Thank you for tuning in to the Recondition podcast. I'm Lauren Vaknin. I'm a health writer and holistic wellness coach. And my own journey from disability to remission taught me that wellness through a mind-body approach can take time when we don't know where to begin. And that's why I created this podcast, to bring you the answers to all your well-being questions in the most accessible way possible. Whether you're suffering from chronic illness, raising children in a world of conflicting information, or you simply want to feel empowered and motivated to become the best version of yourself, join me along with expert guests as we uncover the most actionable ways to recondition ourselves back to wellness. This episode of Reconditioned is sponsored by Mega Home Water Distillers, the most reliable and efficient home drinking water distiller. Megahome are kindly offering listeners of the Recondition podcast a 5% discount. Just use the code CONDITION5 at checkout. That's C-O-N-D-I-T-I-O-N-5. Thank you to Megahome. Hi guys, welcome back. Thank you for joining me today. I am buzzing off the show that I've just recorded with Brandon Lucero. I have to apologize, I'm recording this on bonfire night and the fireworks outside my window are going crazy. Um, And I am obviously at home, not in a studio, so I apologize for that. But um, I just recorded the most incredible episode. It's been an aspiration of mine over the last few months since lockdown to get Brandon on the show. Uh, my husband and I were listening to his podcast and listening to him on other podcasts when we were kind of in this mode of deep reflect, self-reflection and introspection and growth over lockdown and everything he said resonated with us so deeply because it was about incorporating spirituality into your life in such an authentic way and connecting to consciousness so deeply that it isn't an ideology or some new age woo-woo stuff, it's just how it is. And by that, incorporating it into your business and into every aspect of your life, you can become hugely successful. So we talk here about incorporating it into business and how he went from being 40 grand in debt with two kids and his wife at home to having a multi-million dollar business. And But really, you can co- incorporate this into anything you're calling in, partnership, health, you know, anything at all. And uh, there is just so much in this episode that you are going to, to gain from this so much wisdom and I'm, I'm just buzzing from it and I'm not actually going to do a long intro today because everything is in the show itself and I don't actually want to give away too much so I'm just going to head off and um, let you enjoy it and please let me know your thoughts on this because I think it's going to impact so many people this episode so can't wait to hear from you and I can't wait for you to listen um, so here it is here's Brandon Lucero Brandon Lucero is the founder of the Video 4X Effect methodology, which fixes and elevates content inside of online brands and companies. He is responsible for millions of views and products sold online by focusing your content and messaging on changing beliefs, shifting perspective, and the psychology of engagement, selling, and behavior. So Brandon, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me, and I'm just really excited and grateful to be here. Ah, thank you so much. So 
my husband and I basically spent lockdown in a pretty intense journey of self-reflection and growth and we immersed ourselves in podcasts and books that would further that and that's where we came across James Wedmore and from there you Uh, so it feels very humbling to have you here and uh, my husband's been geeking out about it a bit so (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome yeah that's that's awesome to hear yeah you just kind of resonate with someone you know and like everything you do really resonated for us and really it's this idea of conflating business and spirituality Mm, that got me interested in everything you do and I think we're going to be able to go really deep here um I've got a load of notes and questions probably more than we'll have time for but let's start at the beginning for those who don't know you perhaps a bit about your cultural background and how that played a part and how you moved into what you do now yeah so um uh, you know, it's kind of a long story, but I'll make it as quick as possible. Uh, growing up, um, I had a pretty good childhood, you know, like both my parents were married and uh, I grew up in actually a Catholic. And so I uh, got my first communion and all that stuff. And then uh, my parents decided to kind of explore different options. And we went to different Christian churches and stuff like that. And then um, my mom went down like this very s- spiritual rabbit hole, I guess you, you can call it. And um my dad was an entrepreneur, so he started his business and then they eventually got divorced because the business wasn't doing well. And just, it just, you know, different things started coming up. And, um, from there, like I was working for my dad and then I, uh, started my own business after his business went under and it took a really long time to get to this point. But I mean, it was one of those things where you just basically try anything. My motivation was just to make money and pay my bills. And so I was doing everything from like making websites, walking door to door, doing all of that stuff. And my mom was getting further into this like spiritual realm. Um, started realizing she had gifts like healing. And so she got into Reiki and a lot of that stuff. And then she was getting psychic readings and giving psychic readings and all of this stuff. And uh, for a long, the longest time I was like, mom, you're crazy. Like, I don't know <laughs> what you're doing or what you're talking about. And then, uh, you know, starting a business and not being able to pay bills and all that stuff really gets you to kind of look at yourself and really it kind of forces you. It doesn't really force you, but it kind of, for me, it forced me to, to explore the spiritual side. It, you know, like the things like, is there, are there invisible things going on? And I think at that point it was even just kind of like me exploring that stuff because I needed something higher than myself to know that it was going to be okay. Cause it was a really rough time for me. And so from there, um, as the business grew, I got a mentor, um, Jim Fortin. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him or not, I'm but yeah. He... Very familiar with yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, I love his work so much. I'm actually on his waiting list. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, great, great program. And, and But yeah, he was a mentor of mine for a while. And uh, and then this is before he was Jim, who is Jim today. This is him and mm. he was selling influence and persuasion to like, um, training to real estate agents back then. Like was, oh, wow. was, he had no podcast and nothing. And I, I remember telling him, like, you are wasting your talents trying to help real estate agents sell more homes. And he's like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. I just want to like, you know, just make what I'm making and have a glass of wine and at night and just call it a day. And then I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you, you, <laughs> you have no idea. So anyways, he, it, that was a slow transition to here. But, uh, the reason why I bring him up is because I was getting way more into spirituality. I'd met James Wedmore around that time and him and I were geeking out about, um, I I call it like really new age spirituality where it's kind of like, everyone's just kind of like, I'm going to get a psychic reading and I'm going to get a crystal even though I have no idea what 
crystals for, and it's just like right. this very trendy thing. So we, we were kind of like yeah. at that level. And then we met Jim and started realizing there's a lot of connections between the three of us. And then we got introduced to his brother-in-law, um, oh, wow. the shaman, mm-hmm. and we started working with him. And ever since then, it's gone to a whole nother uh, level. But wow. during that whole process of like getting deeper into spirituality, my, my business started growing as well. And I think one of the reasons why is when you get to like the, I call it ancient wisdom or the type of spirituality that's actually been around for 10 yeah. to 15,000 years, but just been lost along the way. Mm-hmm. It, it literally changes the way in which you see the world and you're not um, put in a box that you're trying to operate inside of all the time. And it's so expansive that um, you have no other choice but to grow your business. You, you know, like there's, there's nothing holding you back. And uh, I think that's been probably a 15 year journey for me since that moment, maybe 10 to 15 years. But, um, but yeah, hopefully that answers the question of kind of like the background, the cultural background, the business background, but yeah, that's, and then obviously with the business, things have evolved and grown where we actually incorporate a lot of um, those, those viewpoints or those lenses in which we see the world into our marketing and to Mm -hmm. our messaging, which is why it's so powerful is because we're um, reality shifting for a lot of people. Like we can help people change the way in which they see the world just through content messaging and marketing. And, um, and yeah, and that's pretty much where we are today. Amazing. So what I loved, you've got this, uh, incredible video on YouTube on your intro page, it's like an intro video about your story and you were in a real rock bottom, um, kind of as rock bottom as rock bottoms go. And I'm a fan of rock bottoms cause I think they're magic. And I think we, we elevate so much from them and they propel us to places we wouldn't have gone otherwise. Yeah. Um, but how did you go from there? And I'd love for you to tell us all about this rock bottom you were in and this time of your life yeah. from there to scaling your business to seven figures and beyond. How does that happen? Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to clarify which rock bottom you're, you're referring oh, to. There was a couple. Is oh, I love that. Okay. In, <laughs> is it when we were in $40,000 debt? Is that, is that the point? Yeah. On your intro okay. video, you talk about, you know, you, you then had a second child and you couldn't pay the bills and yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. So basically, um, we were. This is then. I mean, this was probably only two and a half, three years ago. Um, I've been in business for seven years, and if, if I remember correctly, it was the end of 2017, uh, or it was between 16 and 17, or something like the early part of, of 2017, maybe. And I just finished out the year, and we did like 480 thousand dollars in revenue, so like nearly 500 thousand. And on paper that's the dream, right? Like, wow, we, we really did like a half a million dollars in revenue in a year. Um, a couple things happen. Number one, um, I had never made that much money before and I didn't know what to do with the money and I didn't know how to, to like manage the money. I also had a partner at the time. So like a good portion of that half of it just was out the window anyways. And then, so, um, and I was working all the time. I didn't know how to run an actual business. So you know, like everything was on me. There was no systems. There's no processes. There was very little delegating and I was doing stuff I didn't like to do. So I was talking about YouTube marketing and SEO and algorithms. And I'm like, this, this isn't me. Like there's something deeper for me to do. Um, I wasn't aligned with it anymore. So I just said, you know what? F it. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. So I, I just stopped everything. The problem is I still had taxes coming up. I still had, um, the same bills that I had always had. My wife was a stay-at-home mom. Um, we were we just had our second kid, so Lily was born. 
and we were on our own. We just moved out of our in-law, my in-laws house. And we were there and, and um, I just racked up $40,000 in debt. So part of that is credit card debt. Part of that is taxes that I owed and I wasn't selling anything. And so one, and I was working with um, the shaman at the time. And one of the things that he always says is, you know, the answers come in the silence. And I never really quite understood what he meant by that until that moment where I was like, okay, let's sit in the silence. And what he means by silence is not like, just go somewhere where it's quiet. You can actually sit in silence in a very noisy area. It's silencing the mind. So sitting in that stillness and getting the thoughts to stop, which is actually really difficult to do, especially for long periods of time. If you know, it's a, it's a practice, you got to master it. So it took me about three months of just sitting in silence. We had an office at the time. I remember sitting there it's probably TMI, um, but I was going to Nothing's the bathroom. Nothing's TMI on this show. Okay. <laughs> so I was going to the bathroom and then I was just like sitting there and then boom, all of a sudden these ideas came to me. So I was at I'm in my office and I actually had whiteboarded everything that I wanted to do, things that I liked talking about. I started to put some things together, but I couldn't quite hit the nail on the head. And then all of a sudden uh, this methodology came to me and it was just like, just boom, an explosion of ideas. And wow. the best way I know how to describe it is when you journal and you're in the zone and ideas start flowing to you as fast, like faster than you can write it down. That's what it was, but like times 10. And I just took the blackboard, wrote it all out. I sent it over. I recorded a video explaining it. I sent it to Jim. Jim emailed me back and I was like, this is the million dollar idea. Like he's like, I can feel it in my bones. Wow. This is your thing. And it, it came to me basically in the silence. So I moved forward with it. Um, I needed help. So I started, I hired Taylor, who's my integrator and now our um, COO. And we, she's never launched anything before. And she got, came in and I was just like, we're going to launch this thing. And that decision right there, there's two things that, that I hope you guys are realizing with the story. One is number one, you got to be aligned with what's in your heart. And people talk about alignment and it, what alignment is, is just doing what you want to do and shedding all of these, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is realistic. This is what, blah, 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 blah. It's like all of this crap, you know, just shedding all of that. And alignment just means doing what's in your heart, no matter how unrealistic it may seem, because realistic is just someone else's borders and boundaries that, that they put up and you took on as your own. So just get rid of all that. That was number one. Number two was I was still in debt, yet I was hiring someone who wanted, they weren't going to work for me unless they had a certain salary. And so I had to go mm-hmm. pay that salary, not really knowing if this was going to work out or not. And so that's, you know, it's kind of like what Jim says, the be, do have model, which is, um, you know, where he asked me, I remember we were in Sedona and he asked me, where are you going to be a year from now? And I said, well, we're going to be a million dollar business. And he goes, okay, you believe that to be true? I'm like, yep. And he goes, what would the million dollar business owner do right now? would they worry about this salary that they have to pay or would they go hire the person that they need to do? And I was like, well, obviously they go hire the person. She's like, so what are you worried about? And I was like, got it. Like I need to go do that. If I want the million dollar business, I need to be that, that business owner now. And so I walked off the ledge and just hoped the net appear and it did. So what had happened from there is we launched the video, what we call the video 4x effect on three levels. It's a course, a coaching program, and a service all at the same time, which is two people. I would never do that again. It was incredibly stressful and also fun at, at the same time. Like Taylor and I look back at that now and we're like, oh man, the good old days, just the two of us, like hanging out, uh, ordering pizza and drinking wine and building out the business. Like it was, it was pretty awesome, but it was, it was incredibly stressful and a lot of learning, um, learning lessons and stuff like that. But 
Um, once we had done that and launched it, we did about $1.2 million in the first nine months in, in sales. Wow. So like a lot of that was like, with, if we count up all the payment plans and stuff like that, but like sales generated um, the first nine months was 1.2 million. And it just has been going up um, from there. But yeah, that, that was kind of like how we built ourselves out of it. And it was basically a lot of getting rid of that box, getting rid of like what's realistic, what's not doing and just doing what I loved, doing what I wanted to do and taking those risks, the be, do, have model. Um, and I don't even really view them as risks, but it's just like doing those things and not, not like waiting to get things perfect. Like I've never hired anyone, but we needed help. So we started hiring people. Then we learned how to manage people. And we, you just learn along the way. And I think so many people try to get all their ducks in a row before they like take the step. And um, I heard uh, um, someone describe it in this way, which I think is so beautiful and makes so much sense, which is like, you can't get all your duckling. Like if you're trying to get all your ducklings in a line, it's literally impossible. The only way to get your, your ducklings in a line is for mama and dad a duck to start walking. And as soon as they start walking, the ducks just come in and follow and they get in a line. And that's really mm. kind of like the philosophy we had in, in building a company where, and we still have that philosophy today in our business. I tell my employees, I'm like, I don't care if you guys make a mistake. It, like that's a great learning lesson and there's nothing that you guys can do that's gonna take this company down. I would rather you try, get something done, try to do it, not do it right, have to go back, redo it. But you learn a lot faster and we're gonna build way more momentum in the company if you're just making more mistakes because you're trying to move us forward. And, that, and that's the philosophy we've kind of had. So if I was to sum it up, I would say like, sitting in the silence for the ideas, following your heart, and then just moving forward, um, be, do, have model without any worry, perfectionism, or, or making mistakes. I'm such a big believer in that as well. Yeah. And you, you, you said that it doesn't feel like risk anymore. Yep. That's really interesting because I think we've been so conditioned to think, well, no, you're not making enough yet. You can't hire another person or right. how can you possibly launch that if you haven't got everything perfect or... So we kind of really do come from that place of conditioning. So breaking that down and kind of reprogramming that is difficult. And I really hope that people listening to this who are kind of in that place of let's not take any risks right. might might take note of that because, yeah, you well, just kind of... It, it's the opposite. It's like not taking the action is the risk. Like mm -hmm. you're risking your business. You're risking your happiness. You're, I mean, there's so many things that you're risking by not doing it. And one of the switches for me, like, like you said, it's breaking down that conditioning. Um, I had to look at like, why am I even viewing this as a risk? And mm -hmm. it was like, Oh, because if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be broke. And it was like, okay, great. What does broke mean? It's like, Oh, great. I have an attachment to what broke is. Mm -hmm. It means X, Y, and Z. And I re just relooked at that and go like, broke doesn't mean that I'm a failure or that I'm this or that broke means whatever I want it to mean. Or, yeah. Um, if it doesn't work out, then like, I'm going to have to move back in with my in-laws. And it's like, okay, great. So what happens if I have to move? Like, what does that mean? And then mm -hmm. you just change the meaning you're putting on things. And then all of a sudden the risk just floats away because you're not afraid of the outcomes that are going to happen. So what I did is I just looked at, okay, if I don't do this, what happens? And then I made that the risk. So it was like, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be fulfilled. Um, if I don't do this and it doesn't work out, like the business doesn't work out, I'm going to have to go get a job, which I don't want to do. Like I started looking at all those things. Like I have to do this. Otherwise all these other things are possible. And these are all things that I don't want. So it's just like, it's just really just about shifting perspective, which obviously is a huge part of what, what we do, but yeah, it is like, you're totally right. It's about, it's about 
getting rid of that conditioning that we didn't even sometimes didn't even realize that we had in the first place. Yeah, it's hard when you come from a place of fear, because we all really come from that place. And the difficulty with kind of manifestation and that sort of alignment is that if you've always known something to be a certain way, it's very difficult to change the mindset to believe that it's not going to be that way. You know, so that was how it was with me with my health, for example, you know, I grew up with an autoimmune disease, I, I was disabled, I had this whole kind of, I'd never known life without illness. So in order to get myself into remission, I then had to try and convince myself that there was a possibility that I could be in remission and that I could be free from illness. And that's not an easy task. How do we actually do that? Yeah. Well, my first question to you is, did you were able to do that? Like, get out. That's amazing. Um, Go ahead. No, no. I just, uh, it, it, I yeah it took me 10 years I was in a wheelchair at 18 and then I spent wow. 10 years kind of in intensive self-study and by, at 29 wow. I went into remission that's amazing Congre- well congratulations to awesome Thank that's, you. that's really cool to hear um so yeah so the question was like how do we start to like redo like I get rid of that conditioning mm-hmm. um you know for me I think the first thing is just recognizing where and how it even exists in the first place and a lot of people a lot of people just don't a lot of people don't realize this. So I think the easiest way to, there's so many layers to go through on this. So mm. I think start, let's start here. As you guys are listening to this podcast, you or have already formed a decision and you've already formed a decision. Like, I like what they're saying. I don't like what they're saying. This makes sense. It doesn't make sense. And the thing is, is that happens automatically and you don't even realize that it's happening. It's just boom, 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 boom. Your subconscious automatically makes a decision and it comes up as a feeling And then you're going to walk away from this podcast with that automated determination of what this podcast is. You're going to walk away with that as reality. You're going to walk away as if that was the way it is. And that happens to us every day of our entire life. So basically what happens is we go through life. We have either experiences that teach us something like, you know, you've done a webinar five times and it fails five times. We start to form a decisions or some people will that webinars don't work. And it's not that webinars don't work. It might, maybe you needed 15 webinars to like perfect it, you know, but we don't think that we're not, we're not consciously thinking about that. Subconscious goes, boom, this, you, you fail at webinars. So then that becomes your life. That becomes a lens in which you see the world, but this happens with everything. So we were told by our parents, we were told by our teachers, we were told by so-and-so, we were told by someone we view as an authority. We had an experience, um, enough people in the world believe one thing. So we just start to take that on as a truth. And Um, the first part of all of that is recognizing that everything that we have in our life is really nothing more than just an illusion. The way in which we see the world is nothing more than Mm -hmm. an illusion that was really created by our subconscious or things that we got indoctrinated into because we didn't know any better. And I mean, if you just hang out with a five-year-old, you'll see it in action. You can tell a five-year-old anything and they're going to believe you, you know? I've got a five-year-old, so so I can attest to that. (laughs) Yeah, a hundred percent. And so that happens, but that happens our entire, entire life. Once you realize that, realize this, and once you know this, like you understand it on a deep level and you start to see it, you recognize everything that you thought to be true is not true at all. And it's just, it's just an interpretation. It's just a lens in which you see the world. And I remember the moment I discovered this, it was when I started, first of all, I, I got a little taste of it when I went to a landmark forum, uh, which was pretty life-changing for me. And then when I started working um, with the shaman, he starts opening up more doors and more doors. And then I just remember like in a moment, 
I saw the whole world completely different. It was like, there was no limitations. I realized the only limitations I have are the ones that I'm putting on myself. Everything from the speed limit. Like you, you, I was walking down the street, I look at this, this, the sign, it said 25 miles an hour. And I'm like, I just always assumed it was 25, the speed limit, 25 miles an hour. And like, it's not 20, I can, I can literally drive any speed I want down this road. Someone at some point just came in and said, this is 25 miles an hour. Everyone just like reads out of 25 miles an hour. And people just believe the speed limit's 25 miles an hour. And, but I also recognize that if I do go over that speed limit, I have a chance of getting a ticket, but there is no limit. I can drive any speed I want on that. And once you start to realize that it opens up a world, it opens up a huge world. And so once you're aware of that, that's like step number one, step number two is you start looking at limitations in your life. And this is a concept I haven't talked about publicly yet. I've I just, just with my students, but the way I look at it is anytime you're experiencing any limitation in your life. So this is um, a limitation of happiness. This is a limitation of money, a limitation of time, a limit, any kind of limitation. There is some kind of belief around it that's causing that limitation. And what I mean by that is if you're like your parents, so you'll get this. If you're, if you ask your kids to go clean the room, you say, go clean your room right now. And they don't listen in that moment uh, for most parents, it's frustration, anger, you're annoyed. And what that is, is a limitation on your happiness in that moment. Mm -hmm. And most people won't, they'll be just like, oh, that's just the way it is. My kids are bad. My kids are awful, blah, 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 blah. But no, it's a limitation of your happiness, which means there's a belief there that you haven't recognized yet, which in that belief could be my kids need to listen to me. It's like, no, they don't. Why do they need to listen to you? Like, that's literally not a unit. That's not a universal law. That's just a belief that you have. Um, the next belief is my kid's room needs to be clean. Why does it need, says who, who created the law that says the, 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 the room needs to be clean, right? It's a belief that you have, and it's fine to have those beliefs, but if it causes a limitation on your life, maybe there's a better belief there. And so what I, and the other part too, as caught that there's problems with that is that when you say my kids, you have a belief that my kids need to listen to me and that's the only way I'm going to be happy. Well, you're leaving your happiness in your kid's hands and you're never going to be happy all the time because it's now your happiness is now dependent on somebody else or an external thing, not internal. Yeah. So what we want to do is first of all, like recognize those things and then change the belief that's causing the limitation. So in this scenario, what if we change the belief to something like, um, I'm not making this fun enough for my kids. It's my job to make this fun for my kids to go clean their room. What if that was a belief? Now you're responsible for your happiness. Or what if the belief was, um, you know what? I don't need my kid's room to be clean all the time. I'm just going to enjoy the 30 minutes that they would spend cleaning the room, having fun with them and connecting with them. Well, Chris, mm -hmm. what? Now you don't have a limitation of that happiness anymore. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying like your kids should clean the room or not. You can choose and do whatever you want, but there's always a different belief or something you can bring into your life that gives you a better outlook on a certain scenario. So first of all, so just to kind of recap and, and put this in a nice little package, that makes sense. Uh, number one, we want to understand that what we view as the world and the way things are was nothing more than something that we've been told, conditioned, or um, indoctrinated into. Number two is when we do experience anything but happiness, it's because there is some kind of belief that we're holding that we can change at any moment. And when you put these in practice, and what I mean by that is don't just listen to this podcast episode and go, wow, that was great and go do nothing. Mm -hmm. Dedicate five minutes a day or dedicate at least one, one belief a day or something 
So you get the mastery of it um, and in, integrate it into your life. And you'll be amazed at what starts to shift and what starts to change and how powerful you become. But to me, when you bring up conditioning, that's what it is. It's like the world or our brain has told us this is the way in which the world is or operates. That's nothing more an illusion. And then being aware of it and, and changing it. So does that make sense? Oh, so much. There's so much there that I want to unpack. The first one is obviously you said about changing our thoughts, you know, our thought processes and, and beliefs in order to change what's going to make us happy or not. So, and it's funny that you mentioned earlier about sitting in the silence. Mm -hmm. So my, my little one, she's just turned two. She used to be quite a good sleeper. Unlike my five-year-old who was just horrendous at her age. And so, but all of a sudden she stopped wanting to go to sleep without me being in the room. And in order for her to go to sleep, I have to sit next, sit next to her bed and hold her hand until she falls asleep. Yeah. And I found myself at the beginning thinking, oh, this is going to take time out my evening and I don't have enough time in the day. And, just, and I thought, no, change that narrative. Yeah. And the first was, how lucky am I that my baby loves me so much that she'll only fall asleep mm. holding my hand. But the second was I sat in the silence. I, so my meditation practice I do in the morning. So I, I didn't even feel the, if you like, pressure to do a meditation. But what I did was just sit in that silence of you know a baby's room and all the lovely smells and everything and just sit in the silence and I now do that every night and yeah. I don't begrudge it because the most amazing ideas come to me in yeah. this silence like I'm telling you all these ideas from my business have literally come from these half hour periods I've been sitting in my daughter's room in the silence so yeah. that was the first one the second one you talk about kind of it it's our choice of how we want to respond yeah. I'm thinking about maybe the person listening who has someone else blocking those choices. So let's just say, for example, you're in business with someone else and they're blocking your way from growth or, you know, anything like that, making someone mm-hmm. who's making your life really difficult and you don't have a way of moving away from that. How, how in that situation, because it's not always just us. Yeah. Well, there's always a way. It's not that there's, that's just not a way. It, it just, there's always a way. And what it usually is, is um, a thought of, I can't do this because of X, Y, and Z. And what that means is you're not willing to face this, the, um, you're not willing to do the things you need to do in order to separate from that. So if you are in a toxic business relationship, sell the business, get out of it, buy them out. Do Like there's something that you can do, move on. Like, but most people won't do it because they're like, well, it sounds like a lot of work or I'm afraid or I'm scared or whatever. Or if you're in, you're in, you're in a marriage and it's not working out, like, you know, a lot of people have beliefs that divorce is bad. It's like divorce isn't, who says divorce is bad? You know, like you, you that's just something Absolutely. we were indoctrinated into. Or they're like, um, I don't, I can't, I can't bear not seeing my kids every day. And it's like, the, the choice is yours. There's a way out. You can yeah. make that decision. And yes, I understand like you might not, you might have to like not see your kids every day, but just understand that you're not a victim to that. That's a choice you're making. So if you're going to choose to stay in that relationship, even though it's toxic for you, so you can see your kids every day, then enjoy it. Like make the best out of it, take responsibility for that decision or take responsibility for leaving and making sure that you're in a better place. Cause for me, I look at it the way I look at it is if I'm in like a a marriage and it's not working out and it's toxic for me, how great of a parent am I going to be to my kids when I'm in that 
scenario. And is it great yeah. for my kid to see a relationship? And I'm like, this is their definition of a marriage. I wouldn't want that. Exactly. So the thing is, is, is I think a lot of people have such a lack, um, and, and not intentional, but they just, they, they have a lack of personal power and stepping into the power that you actually have to create anything and everything that you want. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things aren't quote unquote easy, but the, the other thing people need to recognize is the low moments, the hard decisions, the suffering, quote unquote suffering. Um, they're such gifts. They give you so much perspective. They give you so many lessons. Um, you know, for example, when I was in debt, that was a really tough time for me and I would never change it because the lessons that that gave me are so valuable. And it gave me such a deep knowing of how to navigate times where you're in debt and things seem impossible that I now get to help other people through. And I get to limit the amount of suffering that they get because I've gone through it myself. And I think a lot of people just try to avoid that versus just leaning into it. Um, so I don't know if that really answers the question, but let me yeah, know if it doesn't. No, it absolutely does. It, it was exactly, it's exactly the kind of thing that I, I believe in, you know, with, with going back to the divorce analogy, for example, you know, I always say to friends or clients or anyone who, who's talking about this, if you're in this marriage of either it's toxic or it's just stagnant and this is like you're settling or whatever, even if it's not abusive and you're doing it for your kids, you know, quote unquote, what are you modeling them for your kids? What do you think your kids are going to go and choose in a marriage? And do you want that for them? Because that's been their yeah. modeling. So, yeah, absolutely. So would you say it's it, it's really kind of having the faith and taking the risk? Because, you know, that if you're stepping into what you're meant to do, then hopefully it will all work out. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is um, it, it is having the faith and it is like taking the risk, but to kind of take it even one level deeper, um, I would say it's not even like, it's not having the faith that it's going to quote unquote work out because what, even to me, what that means is like it, like I'm going to have the faith that it's going to work out exactly how I want yeah. it to work out. Yeah. But it's more of like taking the faith that no matter what happens, it's for your higher good. And it's going to either leave you with a gift. It's going to leave you with a great experience. It's going to work out in an amazing way mm -hmm. and being okay with that. Like not having an attachment to the way you think it needs to work out, but being mm -hmm. happy with any way that it works out and having yeah. the faith that you're going to be happy no matter what. And then number two, yes, like taking that risk. And, and even then, if you like go under the layers of why you view it as a risk and reframe that you get to operate in a more powerful place. Um, but yeah. And I think at the end of the day, it's about taking full responsibility for everything in your life. Like when I'm at the point now where if I tell my kids to go clean up their toys, which is why I used it earlier, but <laughs> it's a real life example, like go clean up your toys and they don't listen to me. I look at that as like, why aren't they listening? This is my fault. And I start looking at like, what can I do to make this more fun for them? And I come up with things like, Hey guys, Superman can clean his room in five minutes. Can you beat Superman? And they're like, Oh yeah, let's do this. It's, it's so much more fun. But that only happened because I took full responsibility, right? Like I took full responsibility of the scenario. Like what did I do wrong that caused my kids to not listen versus making my kids wrong for not listening. But that's what that, and I think that's like the biggest secret is just taking full responsibility of everything in your life, even though your first subconscious thought might not be, oh, this is my fault. You're going to want to put it on somebody else, but it's your responsibility. And if you can operate there, it's like, you know, absolutely life, life-changing for sure. Yeah, I've got a friend who's a conscious parenting coach and she says that all the time. You know, if you're if a child's not learning something at school, 
the teacher has to teach it in a different way. It's the same with the parents. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. As we're on the subject of kids, what's been the biggest challenges for you with parenting alongside growing a business? Because I know there's a heap of them. Yeah. Um, man, do you have another couple hours to talk? Because <laughs> the list is long. Um, you know, it's kind of like, keep it very simple. I think th- there's different phases um, because we started the business. I'll just kind of go through the journey. I'll make it quick. But um, when... I was really kind of like just starting to get a little bit of traction. I was like, okay, great. Like some breathing room. And then my wife announced she was pregnant with our first kid with Will. And it's just like, oh my God. And that's been kind of like a reoccurring theme for me. It's like, as soon as I get to a level and there's like breathing room, then something else happens. So like. Exactly the same uh, with me. Yeah. It's just, which is great. It keeps up leveling me, but it's like, oh, sometimes I just want to like chill for a couple months. Um, So anyways, that happened. And then the business, um, and it was fine. Like it caused me to up level. But she said, like, if you're not able to, I want to be home with, with Will. If you're not able, the business isn't able to do that. You've got to go get a job. And so I was like, okay. And so obviously we made it work. And then it came a point where um, we were making certain, like we were broke, broke. So we were like making, I don't know, probably an extra five, $5,000 a month or something like that. And it's like, okay, great. We can go get it our own place now. So we go get the own place. Now I had rent on top of that. So all the extra money that we had was basically like, I'm at zero every month again, because it's just coming in, going right back out. And then she told me she was pregnant with Lily. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like I can never get a break where I'm not getting ahead. I'm just always treading water at every single level. Like we're, we're moving up, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, that was the hardest time probably of my life. Um, like, going through all of that. Um, my wife was having, I don't, I don't know if it was, I don't know. She didn't get diagnosed with something, but it was definitely like some hormonal thing after, um, Lily's birth. And that was really hard because a lot of emotions and stuff. So it's like the hardest part on our marriage was, was right then. And then that's also when there was a lot of growth in the business. And that's also right when the $500,000 a year, $40,000 in debt thing was happening at the same time. So that, that like was really rough and I've never really talked about that, but that was really hard. And so for me, the hardest part was, it's just managing everything, like trying to grow a business and trying to grow a family at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then, um, just in emotional chaos with my wife was just, it was just, cause I didn't, there, it was to the point where sometimes I'm like, I just didn't want to be around that anymore. And just like hanging out of my office and then coming back and just like knowing I had to go back and just like, Oh man, like. I hope today's going to be good. And it was, it was really, it was a really hard time, but um, you know, we obviously made it through that. And then after that um, we were like set, you know, like business was doing well, her and I were just, our relationship today has never been better. We've never been more connected than we are today. Um, but about a year ago, maybe two years ago, we were like starting that without coming out the other side. We've learned a lot. Like the, again, the down moments bring so much clarity. Like it brings so much, it brought, like it really did bring us together. Like it, it kind of ripped us apart for a bit, but then brought us back even stronger. And, um, the hardest part was just, is just managing all of it and like not getting into the emotion. I think that's the hardest thing is not making decisions off of emotion, especially when you're in a very emotional state, no matter where you go, because it's emotional in the business is emotional on his home is emotional with the kids all in all different things. It was like, Oh my God, I love my kids. And then it's like, Oh my gosh, my wife and I are like now fighting. And then, uh, the business made somebody, Oh, now we're in debt. Like it was just this like roller coaster of like experiencing all these different emotions at a single time. And so that was pretty rough. 
Um, but then my daughter was two or three and my son was four or five and they were pretty self-sufficient. Like they could go in the backyard and play. Like we could have a glass of wine in the backyard and they weren't bugging us. They were playing with each other. And she's like, I want to have a third kid. I'm like, why, why? <laughs> like we're past the hardest part. Like, why would we go back to diapers and like feeding and like night, late nights and waking up in the middle of the night and check when the family's not complete. I can feel it. So I was just like, you know, my wife and I have this thing where um, we always say yes to what the other person wants. And that's one that we've been married um, for, or together for like over 20 years. So we wow. met when we were 15 and 16 and I'm 37 now. And um, one of the things was always, if this is something that someone actually wants in the relationship, it's never a conversation of yes or no. It's more of a conversation of when or how do we make it happen? And love that. Yeah. And, and so it's, and it's, it's hard sometimes. Cause like right now she's like, I want these, want these earrings. <laughs> like they're mad. They're so expensive. And then she's like, all right, how do we make this happen? And the same thing with my business. She wanted, you know, the third kid. And, and she's like, I don't want anything after three. And I was like, okay, great. Like, let's make this happen. And so, uh, so yeah, so that's what, that's what we did. And we had the third, the third, uh, kid. And, um, luckily for me, the business was at a point where, um, I had a full team. We had like 10, 15 people. I was, I really forced me to delegate a lot more and leave a lot onto Taylor's shoulders. And that freed me up to really enjoy the family time. Um, so to like grow a family and a business at the same time, has just been, there's been different phases of it. Like phase mm -hmm. one was, I really use it as motivation. Phase two, it was basically just survival. It was like fighting emotions, all of that stuff. And then phase three, which is where we're at now, is very connected love. And it's, it's um, and my wife's starting to think a lot like me now. So it's, it's very much of a, um, a growth period, I would say for, for us as parents and us as a couple and us as individuals where, um, the business is, is at a point where it's doing really well. So there's not so much to manage. All we're really doing is focusing on managing ourselves. Um, so yeah, those are the kind of the three phases of, of oh, growing a business with a family. It's just, and it's never the same. It's always different. But, yeah. It yeah. changes all the time. that tap water contains things like chlorine, fluoride and excess amounts of oestrogen, I knew I needed to make this a priority for my family's health. So I spent hours researching water purification systems. In the end, I chose a mega home distiller and here's why. Firstly, they're one of the only distillers that actually removes hormones like oestrogen as well as the chemical nasties. Believe it or not, a lot of the distillers out there don't actually remove much, they just improve taste. The Mega Home is also a really compact system that sits on your countertop. Taking the nasties out of the water was obviously the most important thing, but it had to be affordable too. I couldn't spend thousands on a complete home water filtration system, and that was the final deciding factor. The Mega Home distiller is surprisingly affordable, and I managed to get enough water for a family of five from one to two distillations a day. I personally recommend this distiller and luckily for us, the lovely guys at Megahome have been kind enough to offer listeners of Reconditioned a 5% discount. Head to megahome-distillers.co.uk and enter the code CONDITION5 at checkout. That's C-O-N-D-I-T-I-O-N-5. Thank you to Megahome. I 
kind of leading on from that, I, I, one thing I love that you advocate is the idea that we can be hugely successful without working ourselves to the bone and yeah. actually having time to enjoy life. How did you kind of intuitively know that that was an option? Because it totally goes against everything we've ever been taught. Yeah, um, I think for me, it was like when I first started working for my dad and I was just like, okay, I have to show up eight hours a day and I'll get two weeks a year to myself. I'm like, this is some some BS. Like, I don't want this this life. And I just started looking for ways to make money online. And so I just, you know, did everything from like making websites back in college and doing all the stuff to make, yeah, most people would call them side hustles. Yeah. And I was making decent money with it. And I was just like, all I need to make is 10K a month. And I'm like, this is like, I was flipping websites for $6,000. I'm like, I can do this. I can build websites and I can just do, you know, be on my own terms. But I started seeing other people doing these things online. And so I just knew, I knew number one, I didn't want a job. Number two, I knew there was other ways to make money. And I kind of always knew I wanted to own a business. Um, and so that was like step one. Step two was actually running the business. Um, and knowing what the end goal was and knowing that I had to get to that end goal. So I am very much a proponent of, you don't need to hustle. You don't need to work until your eyeballs bleed. You don't need to do all of that stuff, but you still need to work hard. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be moments and this moment could be a year. It could be six months where you're working yourself to the bone and you're hustling and you're grinding. And that is going to be required of most people when starting a business. And it definitely was required from me for a few times where the first phase I had to do it for four years because we weren't making any money and I had to learn and try things and do that stuff. And I just kind of knew like, I could work four hours today if I wanted to, or I could work eight hours because I knew there's going to be a certain amount of time that I'm going to have to put in to learn this. And I would rather get it done now and out of the way. So I did that. And then when we started growing and things like that, um, there was trust issues that I had. So I couldn't trust someone to, and it had to be done just the way I wanted it done. And so it was, it was about learning how to be a, a boss. But what that did is it required me to work all the time. And I hated that. So, I, you know, you come to this realization of, oh my God, I'm back at having a job, except it's just, it's my own company. Now, and that's when I blew up my business. I got rid of it. And then um, I wanted to do things differently. So what, like, it's very simple. The secret to building a successful business without having to hustle your face off forever is really delegating and, and putting a lot of trust on other people and giving them like the guardrails, the guardrails to, to like operate within. And they can bounce around those guardrails as much as they want, but just give them that framework and just let them get the job done um, and building a system and a process around it. And that really is the secret. Like right now, I probably like today, I'm probably only going to work like I'm going to do this podcast interview. I might work for an hour or two and then I'm going to call it a day. And we have a multi-million dollar business and I get to choose how much I want to work because I've made so many mistakes of things that suck up my time. And I've already put in the grind work. I've already done all that stuff. Like when we didn't have money to hire a team, I grinded it out knowing that we will have it. And then I have to actually like walk off the cliff and let them make mistakes and do all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think that if, your goal is just to hustle the rest of your life. Great. If that's what you enjoy, if you don't enjoy that, just know there's going to be periods where you probably are going to have to grind pretty hard, but as long as you know what the end goal is, and as soon as you're able to do it, put those pieces in, in place, you can build really successful businesses without having to hustle your face off. And a yeah. business could, could be just anything, right? Like it could be a YouTube channel. It could be you making meals for other people in like families in the, in the neighborhood. It could be having a course, a program, like there's just so many possibilities nowadays, but yeah, there really are. 
but yeah, for me, it was just kind of like always knowing what the end goal was and then actually like implementing the real things that need to happen in order for me to like, make sure I'm not hustling my face off all the time. Yeah. I love that. I think it's so expansive for people, especially the people who are kind of like screaming at their phone, listening to this going, what do you mean? I don't have to work hard, you know, but yeah. cause you've explained that so beautifully. Um, and yeah, I just think that's, you know, that kind of gives us that, that understanding of, of how, how that works. And yeah. there are so many opportunities because we're kind of there at the moment talking about online businesses and stuff like that. I've heard you mention before that, that the style and the way that we do business will change a lot yeah. over the next 20 years. 100%. Yep. So yeah. kind of the innovator really needs to step up, but you know, using the example of, we didn't think we could make money off the internet 20 years ago and now look where we are, but it's very overwhelming. This idea that we constantly need to change and adapt, isn't it? Like how can we get ourselves to that point of just being very adaptable and how adaptable do we need to be? Yeah. I mean, those are all great questions. Some of them I don't have the answers to. So like <laughs> how adaptable do we need to be? I have no idea, but I just know, you know, if we look back the last 20 years, um, or if we look back the last 50 years and how much change there's been, almost all of that change has happened in the last five to 10 years. And it's only going to get more like increased as more technology and different things come into play. And I think where we start running into problems is when the way we raise our kids or the way we educate our kids hasn't changed in 50 years yet. The process uh, yeah, it hasn't changed in 50 years, but everything else has changed. Like uh, what yeah. we do today didn't exist, you know, seven, eight, 10 years ago. It just wasn't even a thing. And it's kind of like, how do we raise our kids to adapt to that? And, you know, like we even look at college and like you go get a marketing degree, even if it's up to date right now, which it's not, but even if it was, by the time you graduate, it's not up to date anymore. Like there's yeah. no way that colleges can keep up with the curriculum and no one's going to want to pay a hundred thousand dollars to go get a four year degree on something that's already outdated when you walk in and outdated when you leave. And then it's the same thing that everyone else has and has no competitive advantage anymore. And so there's just so much change happening. So to answer the question, how adaptable do we need to be? I don't know. But for me, one of the ways that, that I'm looking at it is how I'm raising my kids. And the way I look at it is not giving them the boundaries in which life is uh, as much as I can. Like, obviously there's going to have to be some stuff, but for example, um, last year when we moved to the house we're in now, I remember it was raining one day, like just pouring. And my kids like, oh, I want to go outside and play. Well, my first instinct was no, it's raining. You're going to go get all wet. And then I was like, well, why though? Like, why can't they go play in the rain? Like give them an umbrella, put a jacket on them, send them outside. They're going to play. If they get cold and come in, we put them next to the fire or put a blanket on them to give them a warm shower. They're going to be fine. And then, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go out there with them. And then they're like, let's go for a walk. So we went for a walk and then they went to the park and there was a big puddle there. And they're like, let's go run and play in the puddle and jump around. My first instinct was like, no, you're going to get dirty. You're going to get cold. I'm going to have to like carry you home because you're not going to want to walk and like all of these things. And then I started to realize what I'm doing in that moment is I'm conditioning them to not follow their passion or to not go do whatever, or they can't get dirty or they can't live in, in chaos. And what that's going to do is anytime in the future, when something comes up, they're not going to be able to adapt to it because it's going to be stressed. They're going to be filled with anxiety. So we, I kind of have this philosophy of just 
live in the chaos. And even when you look at what chaos is, that's even an interpretation too. Like everyone has a different idea of what it is, but just really letting them go and make their mistakes and learn from their mistakes and do things on their own. And, you know, even like sometimes my, my daughter will be like, I'm going to go on, a, I want to go on a walk. I'm like, okay, you're going to walk the whole time. Right. And she's like, yes. And then we go on the walk. She wants me to carry her. And, and uh, sometimes I'll just tell her, no, I'm like, you committed to doing this and you can do it. She's like, no, I can. I'm like, yes, you can. And we'll do it. And she's like, oh, that's not that hard. You know, things, just things like that, where I just let them kind of be flexible within a realm. So they're still safe. But um, I think raising our kids that way gives them a sense of being able to how to adapt. Like if they jumped in the puddle and they fell down, I'm not going to go freak out because then they're going to think that's wrong. I'm going to let them just figure out what to do. And then they figure it out. And then, and then it's not an issue. It's not an issue at all. They just get up and they go do whatever they want to do. So I'm not sure that really answers the question. And to be honest with you, I don't know if I really have the best answer, but that is kind of the way I'm looking at it. And, and I guess the final piece of it would be just letting my kids know that there's options. Like if they don't want to go to college, they don't need to go to college, mm-hmm. you know, if they, but there's going to have to be a plan. Like you're yeah. going to have to work hard. You're going to have to be dedicated. You're going to have to do this stuff. And eventually if you set things up the right way, you don't need to work hard forever, but you're going to have to like, ha- you're not just going to sit around here doing nothing all day, you know, but you're, if you don't want to go to college, let's figure something out. You want to go sell popcorn on the side of the road. Great. Let's go sell popcorn on, on the side of the road, but like, let's turn that into a million dollar business. Let's, let's do it. You know? So wow. hopefully that answers the question. Absolutely. Because you've, you've taken it back to education and education is the basis for everything. And I am such a huge, huge advocate of, you know, a holistic approach to education, which it then becomes difficult when you end up going down the mainstream schooling route. And that's kind of a different podcast episode on its own. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's giving our children kind of agency over their intuition, which is so important because like you say, if we don't do that, we condition them, we knock them back so much until they stop listening to their intuition, understanding that their intuition is a thing. Because yeah. that's what happens. Kids just listen to their intuition until we tell them enough times that they're wrong. Right. So I think that was the perfect answer. Oh, good. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that stuff is really important too. Like even like we've done things with our kids when they've seen um, like ghosts and they've seen spirits and they've seen, my son's seen animals and, and all sorts and stuff. And we're just like, we never tune any of that out. Like, great. Tell yeah. us about it. You know? Absolutely. And, and they've told us crazy things that, you know, like, quote unquote, crazy things. Um, I don't, I obviously, obviously don't think they're crazy, but it's, it's just like, like, even that was conditioning, right? Because you're saying it for fear of someone listening, judging (laughs) you for not thinking it's crazy. (laughs) There's my condition automatically just comes out. Um, cause I obviously don't think it's crazy, but it's, it's, I, I think it's fun, but like things like he would see wolves come out of his closet and come like sniff his back. And, and, um, he would see like spirits up in the sky, like in the ceiling and, and all, I mean, just all sorts of stuff. And we just let them list, like, tell us about it. Like, don't shut that out. And, yeah. um, and all of that stuff we do, we do all that stuff with our kids. That was something my mom gave me. She always cultivated that. And that was the best thing she could have. Like when I was 10, my grandfather was dying and he was in the hospital bed and he was going, look at all those things up on the wall moving. Look, what, what are those things? Like, who are they? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was delirious. And my grandmother was going, oh, don't be silly. Don't be silly. And my mom said, no, they're the angels, dad. They've come to get you. It's all right. You can go. Mm-hmm. And um, that was my experience at 10 years old. You know, so that was yeah. always, I think that's so important. And that gave me that understanding and that kind of um, permission yeah. that, that seeing that and allowing that to happen was okay. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing too, is I don't think, 
And it goes, I guess it goes back to conditioning. Even our senses is something I realized. Like mm. we have our five senses, the sense of sell, smell, sight, we can hear, taste, you know, we have our five senses and that creates what we, what we perceive as the world and like what is real and what isn't real. Mm. And, and what I think that does is, is those five senses condition us to believe that this is the way the world is. And anything outside of that just isn't, it's, it's a uh, bull honky. It's, it's like rubbish. It's just, it's, it's just crazy and all that stuff. Tell but, me about Joe Rogan's fart theory right here. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the, the one I always use. It's just Joe Rogan talking about that. And he goes, you know, we wouldn't know a fart existed if we didn't have the sense of smell. And, but he's like, but we know it exists and it only exists because we have the sense of smell. So that begs the question, like, well, what else is, what else exists that we just don't have the sense or the ability to know is there. And most people would, would call some of the stuff like the sixth sense, but I'm looking at like, what if there's a seventh and eighth, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you can really unlock a lot of that stuff. Like, you know, we're working oh my with, God, yeah. working with the shaman and a lot of kids yeah. still have a lot of that stuff. And you don't want to like shut that out because again, that's the conditioning coming in. And, um, there's been a lot of things that I've seen, like just things that I wouldn't ever thought that I would ever see because, because my you've awareness opened yourself up to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The awareness just keeps getting higher and higher and higher. And, um, I mean, I could go on all day about the things that I've seen, but like just keeping it very simple, like beings in my house and different spirits and being able to communicate with them and just like, you know, stuff like, you know, stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of that we can be kind of can help our kids be aware of too. And a lot of them already are. And it's, just, I see parents like smash it down all the time and just like, Oh, like, yeah. Like, don't, don't be silly. It's nothing. Yeah. You're crazy. Like, don't, don't think that's not real. That's not really there. And it's, yeah, it's a little, it's, it's a little sad. Um, but at the same time, everything always happens for a reason. There's always, a, you know, a lesson and everything, but, but yeah, like that's another thing we kind of help our kids with is like getting rid of that five cents conditioning as well. It's just like getting rid of it and just know that there's more there than, than meets the eye. Yeah. I always think that because I always think about kind of other dimensions that could exist and it kind of makes me almost laugh that some people will discredit the idea that there is absolutely anything else out there. And then I'm like, hold on, we're living on this massive planet that's yeah. just kind of floating. It's not falling anywhere. And there's all these other planets that are doing the same. And then you've got like other, you've got black holes and different universes, different galaxies and the Milky Way. How can anyone it's possibly be so man. egotistical to think that we are all there is, you know, it is I egotistical know. because it's like, how can we think that we are the be all and end all? It's crazy. It's like what basically what happens is the ego or the tonal has a way in which the world operates and mm. And in order to admit there's something else, it means the ego, the tunnel needs to basically die. And so that's what people just can't, they can't go there because it's part of them is like dying and the identity is, is dying. And I'm in the same boat as you. And I actually believe that aliens, quote unquote, aliens are different beings. They're already here on this planet. They're course, here. They're living yeah. here with us. We just don't have the ability to see them is all that it is. And if you can find that awareness or raise that awareness, 
you'll see them around. I mean, I see them all the time. And, and even in the third dimension, 3D, like just go to Sedona and sit out at night. You're going to see UFOs and there's like, you're not, there's no explanation. You're like, what is that? And um, I remember we took my in-laws there. My in-laws are super Catholic. There's like anything outside the Bible is like, no, no, no. And um, we see this like orange light flying across the sky. And I was like, Christine, <gasps> mother-in-law I'm like come check this out come check, check this out and she's like and she's like what is that and it's like it's just an air she's like it's just an airplane I'm like no because there's no blinking lights like an airplane or aircraft they have a blinking light there's no light and it's orange like when have you ever seen an air airplane with an orange light and it's just orange and then one second gone it disappeared wow. out of the sky. and and she's like wow that was crazy and my wife asked her like what do you think that was and she's like you know some things are just unexplainable. And she like would never admit and it was like an alien or a different craft or, you know, something like that. And, um, you know, we had crazy experiences where like my wife and I were sitting there and a light on the deck in Sedona. And it's almost like a car, you know, if a car is driving and it turns and the headlights kind of like shine and hit you in the face, it was like that, but from above. And it was just this whoosh light down on us. And we look up into the sky and it just looks like a car headlight, like shining down on us. And then all of a sudden it like shrinks up and goes whoosh. And then it moves across the sky and then it just disappears. And I was like, what the F was that? And so- Why is this happening in Sedona so much? What's going well, on in Sedona? <laughs> yeah. Have you been to Sedona before? I haven't. You would no. love it. You need to go. Um, I I'm mean, coming. When, you're in, when you're in Sedona, you're like driving into Sedona and it's just, it's in Arizona. It's just yeah. all desert. And you hear these amazing stories about, about like Sedona and you're driving through the desert and you're like 10 15 minutes out and it just looks like desert. And you're like, what are everyone talking about? Like, I'm almost there. I can't see anything. And then when you're about one minute out, you can start to see the red rocks. And then as you get into Sedona, it's like an oasis. I mean, it's just beautiful, massive red rocks all over. It is like, there are desert areas, but it is very much a forest as well. So you have a lot of trees and there's a big Creek that goes through like river that goes through Sedona. But as soon as you get into Sedona, yeah, that alone should <laughs> tell you. But uh, once you get in there, the energy, you can feel right. it. It's like the most calm, peaceful type of energy. But there's there's vortexes all over the place in Sedona. And you'll go on hikes and you'll see trees and they're like literally growing in spirals. And you're like, oh, wow. there's a vortex right there because it's like growing in a spiral. Um, but there's a ton of portals there as well. So there's like a bunch of portals um, that, that beings would use to fly in and out of different areas and stuff like that. Because that's how they would travels like through portals or wormholes or black holes or, or whatever to get to different places. And the way that time works here in a very linear fashion, isn't really how time works. Um, you know, and so uh, it's just the way we we perceive it here. And that's a whole different conversation, but anyways, um, there's a lot of different portals and stuff there in Sedona. So you see stuff all the, like all the time. I mean, it's almost impossible to like, so it's a very spiritual place. It's like Glastonbury or these places that just have this energy. Yeah. The way James Wedmore explained it to me, because he went before I did is it's like, it's like Disneyland for spiritual people. (laughs) Oh, I'm there. Now I'm sold even more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's awesome. Just like kind of pivoting back a little bit. Yeah. to the business side of things somehow let's just kind of we, we need to draw ourselves yeah, back from, from the woo-woo yeah. um how do you actually incorporate all this stuff into your business because i know that obviously living by these principles um enhances your business and your business growth but how do you incorporate it first into the business itself physically the growth and also in the way you interact with your staff and the way your business yeah. is running yeah, it's a great question. So there's two ways in which I, I look at it. Um, 
number one is like, we talked about a lot of things so far. We talked about how people create their version of the world and how, um, you know, their conditioning is created and how the reality is created. Well, once you know this and once you live it and you actually know it, know it, meaning that you do this on a daily basis, like you understand that this is nothing more than an, an indoctrination or conditioning or whatever, you start to realize like how easy humans start to form beliefs and how much beliefs really control your life. And even if you're aware of it, there's still beliefs that you have that you're unaware of. So the first way we incorporate all of that stuff is by incorporating those concepts into marketing and into messaging. And as far as I know, that's never been done before. And at least not to the way in which we do it. So when I look at how do we create videos and how do we create content, how do we create messaging? It's really through the lens of how do I shift reality for the audience? What is the version of reality they see? And how do I use words, communication, and marketing to shift it? Because if you can do that, you'll never have a problem making money. Because what you're doing is you're finding and identifying beliefs or ways in which they see the world that actually cause suffering. And they don't even recognize that it causes suffering. If you can make them aware of it, shift them out of it, some of the most transformational things you can do for anybody. And that's why our content is always so powerful. And that's, that's basically what we teach people. So that's, that's like side number one. Side number two is with my staff. Now, luckily... Uh, my staff more or less is pretty spiritual based. Um, and some of them aren't or weren't. And the way I look at it is I, I don't do surface level new age spirituality very much. Like I don't be like some of us enjoy crystals and stuff like we'll have crystals and, and whatnot, but I don't force it as part of my staff. Like, Oh, we need to meditate or we need to like get crystals or we need to do whatever. It's like, if you want to great, but what it is, and this is why I love spirituality and what spirituality is to me is it's, it's taking the concepts that existed 10, 15,000 years ago, ancient wisdom about just plain happiness, plain power and being a leader and personal power and regaining your strength. That's what spirituality is to me. It's not like this. Um, uh, it's not a ideology. It's not like a trend. It's just getting to the root of what happiness. And there's some things that stem from that, like Buddhism can stem from, has a lot of those things and different stuff like that, but it's not an ideology. It's not a religion. It's not any of that stuff. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just learning how to regain your power, how to be uh, a creator, how to, to just be happy and internally happy. And those concepts I bring to my staff. So when we start to incorporate things like there, there's no mistake that can take this company down, don't worry about, about making a mistake. To me, that's a spiritual practice. Because what it's teaching the staff is to be happy and to get rid of anxiety, get rid of stress, get rid of worry, get rid of all that stuff. And that's what spirituality is to me anyway. And then it's like, you've probably got this amazingly happy group of people. Well, they're a hundred percent. And, and like even um, Matt who runs our agency, you talked to him about manifestation or any of this stuff when he came in, he would listen, but you're just like, he, you knew, you just know, he's like, oh, it's a bunch of you know, like hogwash, you know? And now he's just like, man, working here has transformed me in so many ways. Wow. And he's like, I, I do things and I mess up things. And he's like, I, there's no worry anymore. He's like, I would, if I mess up something in the company, I would feel so bad and be filled with all of this stuff. And I'm filled with nothing. I'm like, where, where's the lesson in what I just did? And, and it all it obviously stems from me as, as the leader, but that's the way we incorporate it in our company is, is going really just to the core, the core of everything. Um, and all that stuff so that's amazing yeah. i mean if every company did that 
just the profound changes we would see in society just for you know people being happy you know we don't all need to be entrepreneurs or ceos you know some people want to just want to get a just want to get a job and be happy and be stable and if those people felt respected and valued and were treated like that wow the things that could happen yeah and we've i mean we've seen amazing things at our our company because of it and sometimes I go a little bit too much with it. Like, I mean, happiness to me is the, is the main thing. And like, I just want people to be happy. And that doesn't mean everything in your life goes okay in the way you want it. It just means that you're happy no matter what happens. And mm. that's really something we've incorporated inside of our company. And like, to the point where I'm like, guys, let's just go to a winery today and just drink <laughs> wine. And they're like, I'm coming to okay. work for you. They're like, yeah. they're like okay. <laughs> but then they all start stressing out. It causes stress to them because then like, like I got something to do. And I'm like, great, let's bring our laptops and let's just go. But, um, but yeah, I just really run, really wanted to always run a non-traditional corporate type of company where we do things like that. And it's just like, why? Like this is life. Let's go have some fun. Let's be happy. And the way we do that are spiritual-based tools of finding internal freedom and internal peace. Amazing. That's so, it's so expansive. I'm, I'm really kind of hoping for that and headed in that direction myself. So I really hope that I can take note of all your lessons. Yeah. Um, what I want to ask is obviously you talk about with these amazing people in your life. Do you think that, did you attract these people into your life, these like-minded people because you were operating from this place of consciousness? Well, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. I don't know if I know the answer to that. Um, I, so my belief is, and I don't know this to be true, it's just the way I believe. Um, Cause I haven't talked to, to um, Don Javier at all about it, but um, Don Javier I, I is believe, the shaman for anyone shaman, yeah. who wasn't sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the way I, I believe, the way I look at it is one, yes. Yes. I believe that because of who I am and what I do, I'm, I'm going to attract people like that. And I forget where I heard it. It might've been James that told me this, but when you get people on your team, you need to have your personal power of who you are, how you want to operate the goals you want to set, the vibration you want to set. And most people are worried about like, what if the wrong person comes on my team? If they don't match it, they will leave in one way or another. They will either leave on their own and quit, or they'll eventually not be able to work at that level. And then you'll have to fire them. And, and so what I've always looked at is, is um, what, where's the vibration, what the things that I want to set um, and, and just holding that. And yes, I think that, that it will help attract people, but also keep people. But at the same time, I also believe there's very specific people that are supposed to play very specific roles in your life. And it's not a coincidence that they show up. Mm -hmm. um, for me, James and Jim, not a coincidence that they showed up in my life at all. I don't believe that to be true for a second. I believe it was predetermined, predestined, um, whether it happened in this life or the next. Like Those are just things that are, are supposed to be happening or agreements that we had before coming down here. Uh, Taylor showing up at my life in the way that she did when she did and how connected we are. Like, she's like a little sister to me. I mean, there's nothing I wouldn't do for her and building the company together to me, not a coincidence. I didn't attract her because of my certain vibration. It was, we both were at a certain vibration that just jived really well. And that was something that needed to happen. 
Um, same thing with like Matt, I believe to my core that Matt and I were supposed to play a certain role in each other's lives to experience some kind of um, growth. So I think it's a combo of, of both because even though if it's predetermined or destined, if you guys aren't going to be a vibrational match, it's not going to work. So when I see Matt come in and see him start to shift and change, what he's really doing is he's starting to raise his vibration to match where we are as a company. So uh, my answer is, I don't really know, but I kind of have an idea of like, yes and no at the same time. But also I think there's predetermined people that are supposed to come in at certain point, points. Yeah, to yeah I agree. Or something. I agree. Cause we can have these friendships that don't work out, but they all taught us something. But I generally find kind of since really stepping into my own authenticity and f- like you say, you know, taking the, it felt like a risk at the time, but taking the risk to maybe move away from toxic friendships or relationships, you then make space for the right relationships to come into your life. That's what happened for me, for sure, with 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 kind of attracting these high vibe people into my life that that kind of propel me more on this journey. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think too is when you have those relationships and they fall apart, it I, I do think it's it is like a a mismatch of vibration for sure, but. But yeah, it just, I don't know. There's so many things I don't know. <laughs> no, we <laughs> you know, don't. How can we know everything? Absolutely. But what yeah. you do know is about your business. Just really quickly kind of talk us through what the Forex video effect, the vi- sorry, the video Forex effect does and yeah. what you teach within that for, sure. for the person like me who's, you know, really kind of backwards in that situation and wants to start making videos. Yeah. So uh, the video Forex is a methodology that we created about what it started out as was how to fix video inside of your business. So like a lot of people wanting to use video and like everything from the messaging to the impact goals to, and it's four pillars. It's like, we have to set the impact goal um, and the revenue goal because we have to know what we're aiming for. Once we know what we're aiming for, we can work backwards to set like benchmarks and put a plan together. And so we, we end up at our impact and revenue goal, but we only end up there because that's where we started. So the next one is messaging. So the messaging has to be in, in alignment. This means like how messaging is how are we communicating what we're saying? Cause there's a 50 different ways to communicate the same message. So being very strategic in the way we're communicating it so that it is shifting perspective. It is shifting reality. It is in a way that people haven't heard it before. It is a way that can coach them out of a certain scenario or something like that, but also it needs to be connected to your offer and what you're selling. Then the third pillar is strategy. How do we make this? How do we deploy this strategy? How do we get multiple social media platforms to work together? And then the last pillar is workflows. How do we produce a lot of content without it taking any time from us as the entrepreneur or the visionary? That's how it started out, but it's quickly changing into primarily a content and messaging program. In fact, we've we've even moved the last two pillars so the strategy and the workflows just as a bonus is our program. They were core pillars at one point. Now they're just going to be bonuses inside of our program because our program is going to be shifting to content and messaging. What we really realize is what we're really good at is messaging. And you can use our messaging concepts in any form of content, whether that's an email, an ad, a podcast, a video, uh, an image, a caption underneath an image, it doesn't matter. It's its how people experience your brand and the messaging and the communication style. And obviously we have a lot of influence, persuasion, background, NLP type, type stuff um, that we integrate in, into a lot of that. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, you still, you don't need to do video. Like you can use this stuff in podcasting and that's totally fine, just audio. But at the end of the day, if there is something that you know can grow your business and and there's some kind of like, deep layered fear, you owe it to the people that you can help 
to just bust out of it and to do it anyways. And it's just like anything, you know, like the more you do something, the easier it gets and it becomes your new normal. And then you're just like, oh, why was I ever worried about that in the first place? And yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, yeah, just the company, the brand, it sounds incredible. It sounds like you are able to help so many people. And that is kind of reflected by, by how many sales you've made of this course. So yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm just really, really happy for you that it's going like that. Thank you. So I do end every show, as I told you before we started, with a segment called All About You, which yep. is just some like really quick questions that gets the listener to know the guest a bit more. Although I feel like we've got to know you quite well yeah. <laughs> during this. Um, but so I'm going to start and um, yeah, just kind of quick snappy answers. And the first thing sure. that comes to mind, yeah. uh, what book or podcast has had the most profound effect on your life? Uh, sorry, which podcast has had the most profound? Which book or podcast? Oh, gotcha. Um, I would say Rich Dad, Poor Dad was like the very first book that I read that was like, oh my gosh, there's so <laughs> many opportunities. I better get honest before everyone else reads this book. And so I think that one has been the one that really just opened up my eyes to like, I always knew there's a possibility, but it opened up my eyes to how real it actually was. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I read that quite a few years ago, actually. Yeah. Um, if you could raid one person's brain and retain the same information, who would it be and why? Don Javier. I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the wisdom that he holds is just, I mean, it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah. And so um, it's just, he's it's just so masterful at even how he communicates it too. Where like, he'll say something and you record the conversation. And then two years later, you get this idea or this intuition will tell you to listen to it again. And he tells you something that he told you two years ago, but now it's, it, there's something else in that message that is 100% the message you need to hear. Like it's, it's, he's putting, he, he puts like, met, he knows what the time frame looks like and he's putting things in messages mm -hmm. that are, that are, you're not even ready yet, but then we'll be ready in two years and then we'll plant somehow you have this intuition to go here. It's just unbelievable. And it's just so packed with, with amazing wisdom. So him for sure. Yeah. Wow. And it's so rare because we've got, you know, shamans kind of popping up all over the place, but it's not always as powerful or authentic as that. So. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay. So what's an aspiration you've got for the future that most people don't know about you? Well, I think I feel like I'm pretty authentic uh, with everything, but my, my biggest aspiration is I want to own more businesses. Um, I, I want to, like my plan is not to just own a $20 million company. It's to own $21 million companies. Um, and I, the reason why, and the only people that actually know this is my, my wife and then um, just Matt and Taylor on the team. I haven't even told my team this yet. Um, but our, our plan really is to start opening up more businesses to show people what's possible. Like you can go make money um, doing anything you want. You don't have to go to school. You can be successful in other ways. And we want to be the walking proof of that. And so our aspiration is actually to start opening up more and more um, businesses and just shedding the society norms that cause so much suffering in people's life. Wow. I mean, that's just amazing. Yeah. Just Thank love you. that answer. Okay. Is it a question you ask yourself the most? Uh, why me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, 
I don't know. I just feel so lucky and so grateful that this is my life. Um, I feel lucky and grateful that I've had James Wedmore and Jim Fortin as best friends and, and mentors back in my day and still even today mentors. Um, I feel very lucky that I'm connected to, you know, Don Javier. Um, I just, I have so much stuff to be grateful for. And it's like, yeah, I worked for it, but also I'm just, sometimes I just sit back and go, why me? Because it's a lot of people don't have this. And so, um, yeah. I think that's the number one question I ask all the time. That's beautiful. And the last one is what's something you're doing now that you won't be doing in 10 years? Um, changing diapers, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, changing, I think changing diapers, doing a lot of the kid stuff like um, that we do, but I think on a professional level, um, just not playing so small. I think like, I think right now there's just so much potential that we have and I'm kind of just enjoying where we're at a little bit and just kind of like finally taking that break to kind of just relax before I get back on the horse and really like keep on going. So I think, I think in 10 years, um, there'll be a lot more creation for me right now. It's been kind of like just cruising a little bit. So, yeah. Well, if that's cruising, we've all got a lot to live up to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's still, we're still growing, but it's like, you know, it's, it's uh, a lot, the team's just doing a lot and I'm just kind of enjoying like the family and like, we're still growing stuff, but it's like, like I said, I want to do, more, I want to open more business. I want to do that stuff, but I'm not doing it yet. Um, Cause I know it's going to be a lot of work and uh, just, I need a break. It's been a long 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Have a break. Okay. Thank you so much, Brandon. Um, for everyone that's listening that wants to find you, where can they find the video for X effect, your Instagram, anything else that they might be able to look up? Yeah. So if you liked a lot of what we talked about today, you guys can head over to the new generation entrepreneur podcast, which is a podcast. We release an episode once a week. We talk about all this very similar stuff that we talked mm. about today. Uh, we also interview a lot of really cool entrepreneurs as well and tell a lot of really cool stories. Um, but you can also go to our Instagram at I am Brandon Lucero, all one word. That's the handle. I am Brandon Lucero. And then if you are interested in the video Forex, uh, we only launch it and open up enrollment twice a year, but you can get on the wait list at video Amazing. We'll link all that in the show notes. Um, um, just thank you so much. I mean, this has been it's blown my mind. Um, it's bonfire night here. Um, over in the UK. So I don't know if you can hear all the uh, fireworks going off. No, but, I can't. Um, that, that's kind of poignant. So yeah, thank you so much. And I really hope that we can stay in touch and maybe do this again in a year and see where you're at. Yeah, just I'm, I'm willing to come back anytime to so just let me know. And I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Thank you so much. The Recondition podcast is proud to support Solace Women's Aid, who support survivors of domestic abuse and sexual violence working with over 27,000 people each year to build safe lives and strong futures. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to Recondition today. I'd be so grateful if you could subscribe and maybe even leave a review, or better still, if you could share with friends and family who you think could benefit from the content. Really, it's all about just sharing the love so that everyone can understand how to use an integrative approach to life and health.